Hello, welcome to Spotlight, the illuminated centre of artistic joy on the dark wall of everyday life. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, we're twisting the rope of Manx folktales. Catching up with current Manx bard Michael Manning, who also has a Christmas poem for us. And hearing about some of the musical and artistic highlights and A-listers who have featured at our very own Villa Gaiety over the last 12 months. As always, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning for the new year maybe, hoping to create or would really like to put into the spotlight. You know the list, poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, mime, ceramics... There are others, I feel certain. Get in touch. Spotlight at manxradio.com Or just to me, Howard Kane at manxradio.com I'll read them all. But do get in touch with some ideas. Let's get creative. Now, Culture Van, no stranger to this programme, with their never-ending support for the island's cultural heritage, well, they have a new story-based offering out in time for the Christmas stocking. Twisting the Rope and Other Folk Tales from the Isle of Man by Kathleen Killip, one of the most vivid and accomplished creative collections of Manx folklore written in the past 50 years. It's now been recorded in full by our very own Ian Cottier, the island's leading exponent and interpreter, as it says on the notes, of her beautiful works. And who am I to disagree? All in a lovely, soft Manx dialect. And also, let us not forget, Ian's the host of what is quite likely the world's longest-running brass band radio programme, Time for Brass, broadcast 9pm every Monday evening here on Manx Radio. Well, I dropped by Culture Vannon HQ out in St John's to catch up with the media officer James Franklin to find out more. Uh, we also hear from Ian himself with his thoughts on the recording of Kathleen Killip's work. Folktales, I suppose, again, fits very nicely into, I suppose, if you think about any culture, there will always be folk tales associated with that culture and none more so than Manx. Absolutely. And I think Ian was very clear about the importance of the word folk tales as distinct from fairy tales, which for Ian, and certainly it shows in his stories, fairy tales are something slightly frivolous, perhaps disconnected from real life, but folk tales are very much embedded in the lives of the Manx people. And that's very evident in these stories by Kathleen Killip. These are very much stories which are a part of the lives and this shows in these stories. Tell us a little bit about Kathleen Killip herself then, because all these stories written by her, some of them going back 40-odd years. Kathleen Killip is one of the um, best writers of folk tales in the Isle of Man. Um, her sister worked for the Manx Museum and was instrumental in a lot of the uh, folk life collecting. And so she wrote the most important book in Manx folklore about the Isle of Man. But it was, and so Kathleen was very, very well immersed in this traditional Manx folklore. And so she knew it like the back of her hand. And she wrote these stories, which were so infused with her own memories of childhood up in Laxey, um, or in Lonnon, I should be saying. And you can really, she was a teacher and then she retired and really went to writing. And she is perhaps the most successful writer in some sense, writing for BBC Radio and television even, these stories about Manx life. How did the actual collection come about then, this collection coming now? Because I don't think, 
don't think Kathleen's with us anymore. Now, how did these actual stories come about? So Ian Cartier knew Kathleen Killip. He knew her during his teaching days, and she was... Um, Ian grew very close to her and considered her a friend, and she was um, always very helpful with him and his interests in, in Manxness. And if there's anyone in the Isle of Man who really kind of gets Kathleen Killip and what she was about, it's Ian. And Ian's always been very passionate about her work. And um, back in 2017, I think it was, with Sight Matters, he recorded her first collection of stories, St. Bridget's Night. And back then, it was a very, um, very good and successful recording, but he felt like it was a job not yet finished. He really needed to go on with these stories. And so he came to Culture Bannon to ask about recording this second collection, Twisting the Rope, which really is a continuation, and in a sense, uh, getting deeper down into Manx life and these stories. And Twisting the Rope, the, the title of the collection, I think is a story itself. It is. It's a lovely story about Sagan Rope, about the create the making of rope by hand, as mm. were this traditional folk craft. Yeah, I've seen it at the Kronkavoddy uh, Flower and Produce Show <laughs> back in the day. Of course. Yeah. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful process and it's a beautiful thing and it's weaved hmm, twisted as it were, mm. into this beautiful story which Kathleen Killip has involving a crush kern over the door and um uh, a, a little fellow, one of the fairies, trying to come in and steal the beautiful child of these these people, and they have a competition in twisting the rope, and it's only through the wife's quick thinking that they're able to um, save the day, as it were. And the stories themselves, like I said, read by Ian, and we should say, obviously, they're Manx stories. It's Manx folklore. They're not read out in Manx. It's in it's in a lovely soft Manx dialect. Yeah, and it's. This thing about the mink folk tales and immersed in Manx life, it's wonderful that what Kathleen is doing in the stories and what Ian's doing in his telling of them is that they're not, you know, slaring on this, this dialect. They're not doing this performance thing. They're just telling it naturally. And the natural way to tell these stories of Manx life is with the, you know, this soft sort of Manx mm. telling. And it's... um. It's wonderful, and there's no sort of pretense. They're not pretending to be Manx, and it's just a lovely space to exist and to to be in these stories. It's a lovely, it's a lovely thing. Now, one that caught my eye looking at it, there are stories covering it. Says everything from all sorts of calendar customs to begins. I know about those. To the Cabal Ustia, the water horse. The Cabal Ustia. It's um, sometimes known as the Glastian. It's a horse which you want to be wary of. It'll come out of the it'll come out of the river or um, water, and it will just normally just like hang about, looking normal or what have you, uh, just to try and tempt you to climb up onto its back. And of course, the first thing it does when someone is on its back is set off at a great speed across the fields, and it's going too quick for you to leap off. And soon enough, it's dived into the water, and you'll never be seen again. Terrific. It's, I don't know, it's one thing I've never heard of, the, the water horse, I must admit. This is something that goes back a long time? Is it a relatively recent thing, do we know? Um, maybe it's just Cronker Body where you don't see them, but <laughs> everywhere else. <laughs> no, um, Glastian or um, Carvalustia, they are seen, they are, we hear stories of them from all over the Isle of Man. They're interestingly something which kind of varies. And so a Carvalustia in Mackled will be rather a different thing to down in Russian. But, um, yeah, they normally take that sort of form. They're, uh, they will try and trick you and drown you. Sometimes they, the 
thing which will give them away is that they might have human ears on their otherwise completely normal horse bodies. Terrific stuff. And it's more where that came from in this collection, Twisting the Rope News Recordings of Manx Folk Tales. I think it also, again, and I suppose very much ties in with the work here at Cultivana, isn't it? It's this, you just think how poorer our lives would be or how poorer cultures generally would be if we didn't have these wonderful stories, these folklore, it, they're almost embedded. And you think of you, the importance of actually getting these down for future generations. I, I sometimes think that they can easily be just dismissed as nonsense and binned off and forgotten. And you just think, without them, just think how much sort of poorer our, our sort of cultural lives would be. I think that concept of being poor or rich is very important for folklore. What a rich, and it's important to get across, and these stories get across how rich we are in the Isle of Man with our folklore and how enriched our landscape is by these sorts of stories. And just listening to these stories as told by Ian really get that across of how um, shimmering with meaning the space is and how marvellous it is to be Manx people here. Absolutely. So people want to hear them. How do they go about it? Well, you can buy the CD, which is only £5, in wonderful bookshops such as The Bridge, um, bookshop or in the Manx National Heritage shops but it is also available to stream or download online via the Culture Vannin website. Terrific, you might be able to hear the rain on the windows there so you never know, I might see the Kabul Ustia crunk the body today. Hello, my name is Ian Cottier and it was my great privilege to have known Kathleen Killip very well. The book from which these stories are taken is called Twisting the Rope, Folk Tales from the Isle of Man. So what is the difference between a fairy tale and a folk tale? A fairy tale centres on the supernatural. It is peopled by beings that have few, if any, human attributes, other than a liking for interference in human affairs. They are abstractions of good and evil, benevolence and mischief, and the humans in their stories are also abstractions, the playthings of supernatural caprices. In this tussle between the benign and the malevolent, the good usually triumphs after many travails. Folk tales, by contrast, are peopled by, well, people, real people living their daily lives, people with their tribulations and ambitions, their pleasures and their anxieties, their capabilities and their needs, people getting on with the tasks and meeting the challenges of day-to-day -day living. People not much different, in fact, from those listening to the story, who may themselves have experienced similar encounters with events that are hard to explain, and which suggest that beyond the familiar, normally veiled from sight, there is another world, peopled by other beings, different but possessing the same aspects of character and personality. The Munjavega, the little folk, the good people, themselves, and sometimes, just sometimes, these worlds overlap. It is this understanding of country life in a simpler, more uncomplicated age that gives Kathleen Killip's stories their power to draw the reader or the listener into the action. She herself was a country girl. She knew country folk in all their fascinating variety. She also had an ear for their speech, 
its vocabulary and its cadences, and she herself was a born storyteller, a Manx Scheherazade who always left the listener wanting more. Wonderful stuff. And don't forget, you can buy that CD of the works read beautifully by Ian at the Bridge Bookshop or in M&H shops, or you can stream or download online via the Culture Vannon website. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Michael Manning is the current Manx Bard, of course, having taken over the mantle, along with the robes, staff and floppy hat, from Owen Atkinson earlier in the year. Like Owen before him, he's agreed to pop into the Spotlight studio every month or so to tell us about what's been happening in his role and with a new poem. Well, I asked Michael if he felt he'd now fully settled into this unique role and full bardic mode. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I feel slightly less terrified than I did at the end of the summer when I was uh, when I was selected to be the next bard. I mean, it's been one of the real delights has been, you know, you get invited to things and invited to write poems on on things that you would never usually consider and it opens doors that I would never usually be knocking on. So that's been lovely. And it's been lovely to share poetry in a variety of settings. Had a lovely time at the museum last month. I've been up in the prison for a couple of workshops. Just very different settings, and uh, and that's been a real delight. That's terrific. And do you ever feel any pressure to think, oh my lord, I've got to come up with another poem, and uh, you know, I've got to do it by Wednesday? Well, it's funny actually because one of the one of the recent ones I got asked to do, they said, oh, we're a bit late in getting around to asking you. Can you have it to us? You know, by the end of the week in a few days' time, and there's there's nothing like a deadline to force some creativity. <laughs> so you've got to do something. So uh, I mean, thankfully, when I shared it, they said, oh, this is wonderful. How long did this take you <laughs> so yeah but uh so yeah so i think deadlines can sometimes focus the mind but uh, i prefer not to be too stressed about it <laughs> no that's true and, and the curious thing again we were saying that in this very role i suppose because it's only a year it's one of those ones where by the time you've really found your feet and you've settled into it and you've probably got your flow that's when you're replaced. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, and there's so much going on. You know, you, I get, you know, I've had some wonderful little glimpses over the past few months um, that, uh, you know, into the varied poetic scene on the island and all the, the wonderful poets that are here. But it's still just a little glimpse and there's so much going on. You can't be involved in everything or know everything that's going on. So there's lots still to explore. Lovely stuff. Well, you've brought another poem where, uh, like before with uh, Owen, we're hopefully going to uh, touch base with you every month or so to uh, hear a little bit more about your role and uh, enjoy a little bit more poetry. Last time, I think we had a lovely piece inspired by a walk up Griba. Where are we going this time? Uh, this time it's something seasonal. So um, so this is, is something, um, yeah, Christmas Christmas related um, and, uh, and inspired by... Um, by the sort of the, the, the Christian elements to the festival. So. It's called God With Us. Hark you to the star-heaved heavens, bright they ring. Yon joyous hosts of light, they dance, they sing a beauty through the skies, the promise of an answered hope. At last, the victim voices cry, at last a reckoning strong, a last fidelity to the ancient vow to set things right. For long, too long, our seared, sore eyes have wept, anguished as we wondered what kept the saving balm from sight. Have mercy, or oh, how we long for freedom, strong one, saviour, come. 
In rescue for our reeling, for our healing, in rugged restitution bring your might. To think that all our tears, all our fears, could be brought to this, that power could be ruined, and with it all our dreams, all that fine, fierce glory stripped away to dregs and dirt and stench of hay, gone. On the bleak hill there's a babbling, a blinding bright opacity for scoundrels and the outcasts, the weak ones and the maimed, a shaken solidarity, a true and torn tenacity, a scarred and raw veracity speaking to the chained. Here there is just tender vulnerability, the parents' scared and trusting hands, a baby's cry, a child held close. The child. Oh, my God, my God. Lovely stuff. The true message of Christmas. Thanks ever so much for that. And um, oh, just remains for me to say, well, very happy Christmas to you. I hope you uh, don't have to do too many poems and can take a little bit of time off. Thank you so much, Howard. Have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. Lovely stuff, as ever, from Michael. Great laugh as well. A piece exploring the real roots of the Christmas celebration rather than the bells and tinsel we all love so much. Speaking of loving so much, there's been plenty of love for some of the amazing acts and events which have graced the stages of the villa or gaiety over this last year. Not just the brilliant local talent, but some of the biggest names in showbiz. Well, Christy Dehaven lined up a few key players from the villa gaiety complex to ask them what have been some of their personal highlights of the year. My name's Joe Morthat, I'm the marketing manager. My name's Sean, I'm the events and programme development manager. And Kevin Madigan, uh, promoter and booking agent. For the Villa Gaiety, yay! Which is what we're talking about today, um, because, of course, I can't believe it, we're nearly at the end of a year. And I should say, by the way, full disclosure, I can barely see my guests because there's so much tinsel on my <laughs> microphone, because, of course, it is almost Christmas as well. Uh, but you guys have had such a busy year. Um, Sean, what have been some of your highlights this year, then? Oh, there's, there's, there's a good few. I mean, I think it's been great because they... It's been a real eclectic mix. A highlight for me has really got to be um, the Craig David TS5 show. It was just, um, I don't know what I was expecting, but just to see the hall, it really was jumping. It was such, it was, it was the atmosphere was electric. Um, Kev and I were there. It, it, it really just was something. It's, there's something about seeing something come all to fruition, all the hard work, all the back and forth. And then just seeing people enjoy it and get involved, that was a real highlight for me. Oh, Nicola went to that and said it was absolutely brilliant because I think he wasn't necessarily what everyone was expecting, was he? No, not at all. And it was really like a like a, a big party, I'd say. I mean, that's, that, that sounds a bit cliche, but it really was a big party. And it, he really sort of touched on the whole nostalgia thing of it. And it was just, it, honestly, to be there, it was great. You, you couldn't not help but jump along with it. So it was really good. And he was one of just a number of huge names to play at the Villa this year. Uh, Joe, I'm going to come to you and ask who some of your favourites were. Um, I think band-wise, I think James Blunt was probably the best. He was brilliant, he's wasn't he? He was so, so good. Um, that's the second time he's he's been um, since 2018, I think he was last year. So, yeah, it was great to have him back. And he just puts on such a great show. He's such, such, such a, sh- a showman. Um, so, yeah, that was great. And also, I think in the theatre, I think Greece. Probably Grease the Musical was ace. I love that. Um, it was so well supported as well. It was great to see the local uh, amateur 
uh, Dramatic Society Centre Stage Production put that on and it was, yeah, it was a brilliant show. So they're two of my highlights, I'd say. Amazing efforts they've put into. I'm disappointed, Kev, that so far no one has mentioned McFly, which was easily my highlight. <laughs> McFly, of the yes, year. I think that was your highlight. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your faves then? Um, Texas, I think. It took a long while to get and um, we've been trying for that for about 10 years. Uh, and eventually it came around and I got to meet Johnny McElhone because it was like, you know, with altered images and then with Hipsway and then with Texas. So to have three big bands was just great. And to actually meet them, I didn't want to talk about Texas. So we just like, you know, tell me about Hipsway because they were one of the most underrated bands, weren't they? One album and it was like, uh. um, but yeah, but he was very open, very forthcoming with it. So that was, that was really good. Um, Glenn Tilbrook in the Promenade Suite. Yeah. Doing the squeeze set. To have someone like that in such a small venue, intimate venue. Great. Yeah. Um, and he always turns on. You, he doesn't miss anything out either. You know, you get the full set. Supergrass. Oh, know. that was a brilliant Supergrass night. Supergrass was great. Two years late. Uh, I don't know whether a bit of the momentum died off from the comeback after, you know, the big surge of two, you know, Supergrass coming back. Everybody, yeah, signed up for Glastonbury. And then COVID kicked in and we waited two years, but it was still a great show. How easy is it? Because you mentioned it's been quite tricky to get some of these acts. Trying to actually nail these guys down to get them to come to somewhere like the Isle of Man, it must be difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. Some of these shows, you know, they can take two, three, four years. Um, Gary Barlow was nearly three years in the planning to, you know, actually get that show. It was confirmed. And then to get 50-odd people all together at the same place and get them all here in TT Week with, I think there's four tour buses. It was, yeah. Three or four Arctic's. But, you know, we've done it. It took a long time. It was worth it in the end. And he loved the Isle of Man and said ace things about it. Yeah, so that's they, always they good, too. best walk of the tour. He did. Oh, yeah, that is that. so yeah, cool. Yeah, that did. must feel ace, Sean. Yeah, and it was great. And it's, it's like Kev says as well. Oh, well, like you said, sorry. It, that's why we want to get these acts over. But also, the past two years, obviously the pesky pandemic yeah. um, added a new degree to scheduling. But you're right. It's at least two years. We're always about 18 to 24 months in advance in terms of planning. Um, and even some of the acts we've had this year, that have just we've just had. I mean, they were in planning since 2019. Obviously, the pandemic extended that, like the likes of Two Door Cinema Club, which were another highlight for me. They were excellent. It's just yeah. in terms of, of attracting a different demographic in as well. And some people might say they're a bit more niche. They're not. They're, they're mainstream. But it was it, it, it was it's packed. Just, it's more contemporary. Yeah, it was it was a great night. Yeah. So um, and even like the likes of Jack Savaretti, that was probably one of the shorter ones, wasn't it? Because that we kind of took that opportunity. But mostly, right? Yeah, there's a long period of planning and scheduling and routing and making a date work. What do you think when Kev comes to you and says, I'm thinking Gary Barlow, Sean? <laughs> I, I used to be surprised, but now um, it's kind of like, yeah. Gary Barlow's a bit of a funny one because I couldn't tell anybody who it was. So I used to say to Sean, I'll send you an email. Who's it for? Artist D. Yes, it was. So <gasps> really? I couldn't, yeah. nobody knew. Yeah, so I had to keep actually, that secret for the best part now. of two years. And when we had the vamps, we had a code name as well, didn't we? Yeah. Um, repeat that. Yeah, no. no, we can't. Repeat Nothing that, no. derogatory no, no, to them. But no, 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 great band. Yeah. So even your staff members couldn't couldn't know who these these people were. This no. is insane. Your colleagues weren't I think allowed to know. Sometimes when we move it along to a certain point of, of of firming up the contract, it's just we we obviously deal with lots of different names and acts, don't we? That Kev brings yeah. to us, and we and some some of them come to fruition, and some of them don't, and that's kind of at the stage right now for 2023. So there's lots of hopefully exciting ones coming up as well. But, but yeah, it does. It takes a long time. I can imagine, Especially yeah. persuade them because it's not just like a drive up the road and England to the next venue. Sometimes it's a day off. Sometimes we do cut it fine to get them here and back for the next night, um, which can be a bit nerve-wracking at times. But Touchwood, out of all the 40-odd shows, I think it was, that we had planned from pre-COVID, we never lost one. We never lost one show. 
And no doubt there'll be loads more amazing acts coming up in 2023. Who knows who might be lined up already? Stay tuned. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to manxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen wherever you want, whenever you want. Why not try it whilst wrapping your presents with a small glass of dry sherry and a bowl of nuts? If that isn't festive, nothing is. Just check for nut allergies first. We'll be back next week when, amongst other things, we'll be profiling another Isle of Man Arts Council member, Ben Heath. Until then, stay warm, keep creative. Cheerio. Cheerio.